evidence and answers. Bible has an amazing legacy of fulfilled prophecy. However, cult groups with their alleged prophets and apostles claim to have a record of prophecy as well. How do they compare? Religions such as Islam also claim to have a legacy of prophecy. How do they compare with the biblical record of prophecy? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today we're going to listen to part two of Pat's opening message on prophecy and its role in apologetics, which he presented at the 2012 Hawaii Apologetics Conference. How does the prophetic record with the cults and other world religions compare with the biblical record? Well, let's join Pat now as he presents his case for the uniqueness of Bible prophecy. Psalm 22 predicts the manner of death of the Messiah and describes it in great detail that scoffers shake their heads and say the words, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. It talks about his hands and feet being pierced. And remember, Psalm 22 is written by David before Roman crucifixion is created. Talks about his enemies casting lots for his clothes. It goes into detail on the manner of death of the Messiah, which Christ fulfills. Isaiah chapter 53, that remarkable chapter, reveals the character, life, ministry, and death, and resurrection of the Messiah. In this chapter alone, there are close to a dozen messianic prophecies that Christ fulfills, that he is despised and rejected by men. He's pierced for our sins. He dies for the sins of mankind. He's silent before his accusers. He is killed. He is assigned to the grave with the wicked and the rich. He is sinless. The resurrection from the dead, the betrayal by a good friend. Nearly a dozen prophecies are fulfilled in Isaiah 53 alone. Daniel chapter 9 reveals the date on which the Messiah is crucified. Read that prophecy, figure it out, okay? The 69 sevens. Daniel says, when the decree comes to rebuild Jerusalem, then the clock begins. All right, the 69 sevens, that's 483 years. But the Jewish calendar is 360 days. So you got divided by 365 and you get the right year. And it comes out, the decree was given by Artaxerxes in 444 BC in the month of Nisan. That's March. Therefore, the Messiah would be crucified somewhere in April of 33 AD. Who better fits the bill? than Jesus Christ. A remarkable, remarkable prophecy here. If we knew the exact day Artaxerxes gives his decree, we'd know the exact day that Christ was crucified. Now, in my extensive research, I believe I have discovered the day in which Christ was crucified. I believe it was March 31st. Do you know how I know that? That was my sister's birthday. (laughs) Day of tremendous suffering and torment for me. When all her friends would come over, And I was relegated, quarantined to my room. And even then, they would torment me, day and night. That must have been the day Christ was crucified. Now, he rose again April 2nd. You know how I know that? That's my birthday. Day of tremendous joy and rejoicing. Because then I could invite my friends and torment her. So, see, great research and biblical exegesis right here at the Hawaii Apologetics Conference. Now, skeptics have questioned whether these prophecies were actually written before the birth of Christ. Well, we know that the Old Testament was written, the last prophet, 
Malachi, about 400 BC. But we also have further proof, for we know the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, was completed under the reign of Ptolemy Philadelphus, about 250 to 150 BC. And all critics were silenced with a great discovery in 1947, perhaps the greatest manuscript discovery of our century, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Here in the caves along the Dead Sea, a shepherd boy had lost his goat, was looking for his goat, thought it fell in one of these holes, threw a rock in there, heard a cracking of a jar. So he went in there thinking that perhaps there may be treasure in here. And he opened up these jars and discovered manuscripts in there, ancient manuscripts. Well, they got into the hands of an antique dealer who saw the great worth in these. And the greatest manuscript discovery of the century had been made, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Hundreds of scrolls and fragments were found in 11 caves. And amongst the discovery of fragments from every book of the Old Testament were discovered, except the book of Esther. And one of the great discoveries was the scroll of Isaiah. You see there, displayed in Jerusalem in a big circular case, the entire book of Isaiah was discovered there. Now, some of these fragments were as old as the 3rd century B.C. The scroll of Isaiah was dated to be about 100 B.C. Well, this proved that at least 100 years before Christ set foot upon the earth, these prophecies were already down and written. And it confirmed the prophetic nature of these Old Testament messianic prophecies and confirmed the faith of Christians all over the world. So even if you don't believe Isaiah wrote Isaiah, even if you don't believe Daniel wrote Daniel, at least a hundred years before Christ set foot upon the earth, these prophecies were already down and he fulfilled each one. No one has the remarkable legacy of prophecy like Jesus Christ. Now some have conjectured that perhaps Christ got lucky, just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Well, mathematician Peter Stoner did a famous study in his work, Science Speaks, and revealed the mathematical probability of Christ fulfilling just eight of these prophecies by chance. What is mathematical probability that Christ fulfilled just eight of these prophecies by chance? What's the probability that he got lucky and was born in Bethlehem, of the tribe of Judah, descendant of King David, sold and betrayed for exactly 30 pieces of silver, crucified with thieves, buried in a rich man's tomb, that the date of his death would be predicted. Just eight of these prophecies, and in his landmark study, the probability of Christ fulfilling just eight of these prophecies is one over 10 to the 17th power. One over 10 with 17 zeros behind it that he could have fulfilled just eight of these by chance. Now he illustrates it like this. It would be like filling the state of Texas with quarters two feet deep, and then putting a blindfold on a guy and just landing him somewhere randomly in Texas and telling him, go your way, and after filling up the state with two feet of quarters, putting an X on one of the quarters and just mixing it all up. And then getting a guy blindfolded, landing him somewhere in Texas, and just having him go and randomly pick up a quarter, and the very first quarter he picks up is the one with the mark on it. That's how likely it is that Christ could have fulfilled these prophecies just by chance. Just eight of these. Well, how about 16? How about 24? How about 50? See, the more you go, it almost becomes a mathematical zero that he could have fulfilled these just by chance. You know, in a radio debate I had with Luke, he had one of the most popular websites out there. He said, is it possible 
that Christ manipulated the events so that he would fulfill all these prophecies. And I said, well, if Jesus could manipulate where he would be born, if Jesus could manipulate his lineage of who his forefathers would be, if he could manipulate the nation into crucifying him and all that, I said, you know what? If he could manipulate all that and make it come to pass, he is God. He's worthy to be worshipped. Well, how do other religions compare? Well, the cults, the modern-day cults, which claim to have modern-day prophets and apostles, claim to have prophecies, they are riddled with numerous false prophecies. And remember, a prophet of God is correct 100% of the time. False prophecy is a sign that this is not an inspired message from God. For example, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon church, claims to have Latter-day Revelation. His record is riddled with numerous false prophecies. In 1832, in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 84, he prophesied that a Mormon temple would be built in Zion, Missouri, in his generation. But it did not happen. In 1835, in the History of the Church, volume 2, he predicted the coming of the Lord within 56 years. So Christ should have returned about 1891. In 1836, recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 111, he predicted that treasure would be discovered by the Mormons in Salem, Massachusetts. And to this day, no treasure has been discovered there. In 1843, according to History of the Church, Volume 5, he predicted that the U.S. government will be overthrown for standing against the Mormon Church, be overthrown in just a few years. Over 150 years later, our U.S. government is still here. Hopefully, it'll still be here. Another hundred years from now. But Kirby will tell us about that. What about the Jehovah Witnesses? Well, we know that that particular cult group is riddled with years of false prophecy. They predicted the return of Christ would occur in 1914, 1918, 1925, 1975. Each time, they were wrong. In fact, they even predicted the generation of Jehovah Witnesses, the 1914 generation of Jehovah Witnesses would be alive to see the return of Christ. Well, that generation is all but gone. You know, I wonder if Christ would have come back already, but he didn't because all these cult groups make these dates, you know, and so Christ doesn't come back just to spite them, show them they're wrong. <laughs> well, what about other religions that claim prophecies? Well, as I stated earlier, in the Quran, Muhammad makes no prophecies. But when it comes to prophecy, Muslims point to the Hadith, a collection of the sayings and actions of Muhammad created nearly two centuries after his life. However, the Hadith is riddled with numerous false prophecies made by Muhammad. In Volume 1, Book 3 of the Hadith by Bukhari, Muhammad predicted the world would end somewhere in the 8th century AD. He stated, once the prophet led us in the Isha prayer during the last days of his life and after finishing it, he said, do you realize the importance of this night? Nobody present on the surface of the earth will be living after the completion of 100 years from this night. Well, Muhammad died in 632 AD. So the end of the world should have occurred 732 AD or before. And it has not. Again, in the Hadith, Book 37, narrated by Ibn Jabal. He writes, The prophet said, The greatest war, the conquest of Constantinople, and the coming forth of the Dajjal, the Antichrist, the Islamic Antichrist, 
will take place within a period of seven months. Well, Muslims conquered Constantinople in May of 1453 AD. Based on these preceding traditions, the Antichrist should have manifested himself in December of AD 1453. Of course, this never happened. Well, another name you hear associated with prophecy, you see this on the Discovery Channel quite a bit, Nostradamus. Well, many believe he predicted events such as the rise of Napoleon, Hitler, and even 9-11. However, if you read his prophecies, most prophecies are quite vague and unclear. He's also riddled with a legacy of false prophecy. Here's one of the famous prophecies of Adolf Hitler. It goes like this. In the year that is to come soon, not far from Venus, the two great ones of Asia, Africa, shall be said to come from the Rhine and Ister. Crying and tears shall be at Malta and on the Italian shore. You find Adolf Hitler in that prophecy. Many point to the word Ister as referring to Adolf because it sounds like Hitler. But Ister refers to the lower Danube River. It's a place, not a person. And Nostradamus is also riddled with a legacy of false prophecy. He predicted the end of the world in July 1999. In Century 10, Quatrain 72, he wrote, The year 1999, seventh month, from the sky will come a great king of terror to bring to life the great king of the Mongols before and after Mars to reign by good luck. Well, the end of the world did not occur July 1999. What about modern-day psychics and their prophetic predictions? Well, a study was done several years ago by the People's Almanac and did a study of the top predictions by the top 25 psychics. The result revealed that 90% of their predictions were wrong. Uh, in 1994, a survey of some of the most popular predictions by the psychics were produced, and some of them are quite funny. Kathy Lee Gifford would replace Jay Leno. Hillary Clinton would plead guilty of shoplifting. <laughs> Charles Manson would get a sex change. Whitney Houston would marry Mike Tyson. No, I'm not making these up. Madonna would marry Boy George. And of course, all of these are failed prophecies. Well, other prophets have come along. How about this guy? Pastor Bob. In 2011, Pastor Bob predicted the Lakers were going to go to the finals and win. He was wrong. Wrong. Remember the show, The Gong Show, right? Gong, 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 gong. What about that guy? In 2011, on April 30th, here on this pulpit, you can get the sermon, okay? Right, go get it after service if you want. He predicted the Mavericks were going to beat the Lakers and win the NBA title. And he was right. Ah. Mm. So, there was stirring in the land of Hawaii that perhaps a prophet had arisen. But then again, I have to admit, a few months later, I said the Rangers were going to win the World Series, and they lost. So, so much for that. Well, remember, false prophecy is a sign that the message and messenger is not inspired of God because false prophecy is a sign of a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18 verse 20 says, When 
A prophet speaks in the name of the Lord. If the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. False prophecy is a sign of a false prophet. I remember I was speaking once with a Jehovah Witness, a couple of ladies who came to visit, and I started talking to them about the legacy of false prophecy, and I held up the original copies of their false prophecy from their magazines, which you can download at probe.org. We've got the PDF there. And they quickly picked up their bags and began walking down the sidewalk. And so I just kind of walked along with them and was talking to them. And there waiting at the end of the sidewalk was this huge man, probably their elder. And he stood there and they ran behind him. And he said, what are you guys talking about? And I said, well, I'm talking about the watchtower. And he said, what about the watchtower? And I said, well, here's some articles from the watchtower that you might be interested in. And I showed him the copies of the false prediction of 1914, 1918, 1925, 1975. And he looked at me and he said, well, the organization has recanted publicly. Therefore, we showed our integrity and recanted of these prophecies publicly. And I said, well, it's still a false prophecy. And he said, oh, I told you, we recanted already. And I said, but it's still a false prophecy. Can't you see that? He goes, but we recanted. You know, it shows our integrity. And so we're going back and forth. I was wondering, how do I make my point to this guy? And perhaps this was not the smartest move, but I said, you know, after I showed him verse 20 through 22 here in Deuteronomy, I said, you must be talking about Deuteronomy 18, verse 23. And he looked down at his Bible and he said, I don't see no verse 23. Where's verse 23? And I said, it doesn't say in your Bible, but if the false prophet apologizes, everything is okay. <laughs> and he closed his Bible and he looked at me and he was so mad. And I tell you what, if he weren't a Jehovah Witness, I'd probably be about that tall right now. And he just looked at me and he was speechless for a while, fuming, and he finally looked at me and he said, look at you, foaming at the mouth like the devil. He went in his car and had the ladies jump in and they drove off. Okay? But false prophecy is a sign that this is not a message inspired by God. God writes in Isaiah 43, I expose the false prophets as liars and make fools of fortune tellers. I cause the wise to give bad advice, thus proving them to be fools. But I carry out the predictions of my prophets. What does prophecy demonstrate? God confirms his message and his messengers with miracles. Prophecies is one of the miraculous confirmations of the divine inspiration of the Bible and its message. Only an eternal, omniscient being can predict future events with complete accuracy. God writes in Isaiah 42.9, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Everything I prophesied has come true. And now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Isaiah 44, 6 and 7. I am the first and the last. There is no God besides me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order. From the time that I established the ancient nations and let them declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. God says, you want a test of who is the true Lord of all? Let them predict things that will come to pass. Isaiah 46, only I can tell the future 
before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Isaiah 48.3, long ago I told you what was going to happen, then suddenly I took actions and all my predictions came true. See, God is saying the test of true prophet that is inspired of God is this, his prophecies come true 100% of the time. God is eternal. God knows the future perfectly. God does not err. Isaiah 48, 5. Even from the beginning, I have declared it to you. Before it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say my idol had done them. Jesus pointed to fulfilled prophecy as evidence of his claim to be the divine son of God. He said in John 5, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. In speaking to the disciples after his resurrection, he said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Christ pointed to his fulfilling of the Old Testament prophecies as evidence that he is indeed the unique divine Son of God. No one has the record of fulfilled prophecy like Jesus Christ. Jesus also made his own prophecies. He predicted and accomplished his own death and resurrection. John chapter 2. Matthew 24, he predicted the future destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred 40 years after his life. Judgments on the cities of Galilee, many of which were destroyed by an earthquake and only recently discovered. That his words, Matthew chapter 24, would last forever, and indeed they have. That the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. The martyrdom of Peter in John 29. Jesus also made prophecies which have been fulfilled. The legacy of fulfilled prophecy demonstrates, first, that the message of the cross of Jesus Christ is indeed the uniquely, divinely inspired message from God. No other book has the kind of legacy of prophecy as the Bible. Second, fulfilled prophecy demonstrates that God is faithful to his word and to fulfill his promises. There are prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled in reference to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Many may doubt, will these prophecies indeed come to pass? Jesus said they will and to be ready. And we know that God is faithful to his word by the legacy of fulfilled prophecy that has been left behind for us. This is the hope that we as Christians await and we know it is a sure hope based on God's character and his record of fulfilled promises. Therefore, Jesus commands us to be ready. Now, maybe for some of you, this is the first time you have been exposed to apologetics or the legacy of prophecy. Let me recommend a couple of resources for you out there. First, this is the book, Unless I See. It's a book on apologetics, presents the compelling evidence for Christ, and there's a chapter in there on Bible prophecy there. But it gives you the evidence for the Christian faith. It's a textbook I use in my apologetics classes. And then the other one, co-authored by me and Dr. Norman Geisler, perhaps 
the greatest apologist of our generation. I had the privilege of studying under him, and this was actually my doctoral project here, the apologetics of Jesus, the apologetic methods that Jesus used. And in there, we go over the prophecies regarding Christ and also the prophecies Christ made. So those are some great resources for you there. Now at this conference, you're going to study things past, things present, and things to come. I hope your faith is strengthened and renewed as we engage in the study of Bible prophecy. God bless you all. I hope you enjoyed this fun and insightful study from Pat on the value and compelling evidence of Bible prophecy. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to this message in its entirety and enjoy other great resources right here on this site. Also, the entire series from the 2012 Hawaii Apologetics Conference featuring Dr. Mark Hitchcock, Kirby Anderson, and other fine teachers also are available at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. I hope you'll be with us next week as Pat and his friends continue to provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.